Amen. Well, thank, I hope you had a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a uh, great uh, time of communion there, remembering Jesus. And thank you to Alec Barberg, who just left. <laughs> thank you, Alec, wherever you are, for sharing. What an, an incredible job. Uh, so it, it's just so inspiring to me to hear people's journeys and how God works in their lives and how Jesus becomes more and more real to them. There he is. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, thank you, Alec, for sharing. You did an amazing job. We're so very, very proud of you. <clears throat> but what just hit me, uh, uh, some of the things that Alec was sharing, he was learning about, you know, trusting in God and not himself. And I thought, man, I, I'm, what, three times as old as, not quite, but uh, uh, twice as old, more than twice as old as Alec. And like that, so it's the same thing that God is teaching me. Right? The, the same lessons, these same principles are so uh, true and alive. It shows the, the veracity, the truthfulness of, of the scriptures and of our hearts and how as humans, uh, the same things that Alec is struggling with and learning, the same things I need to learn, the same things that uh, the Apostle Paul and Moses uh, needed to learn as well. So uh, um, the universality of the truth of God as well as the individuality of our walks with him is amazing. Uh, I, too, I think, was moved by Pink Floyd, uh, but it wasn't recently. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, uh, amen. Okay, um, special uh, guests with us today. I know many of you are visiting, so welcome, welcome. Uh, but we have some special guests. Uh, Ivy's uh, mom and stepdad are here from uh, Los Angeles, Maria and Rick. So, uh, uh, welcome to you guys. And uh, um, so they're uh, incredible disciples in our sister church in Los Angeles. And uh, Ivy, too, is a kingdom kid. Uh, so, uh, um, so, amen. Awesome. So, anyways, to you guys, welcome to our wintry October. And uh, is it snowing out? Is it still snowing out? It was snowing earlier, right? Uh, so it's sticking yet? So, anyways, welcome to the beautiful Midwest where we love the snow. In October, don't we? <laughs> Getting some bad looks. But if you, you just need to surrender and submit to it, or you're just going to be miserable. So uh, anyways, welcome, and I want to express on behalf of our whole church family, thank you for raising an incredible daughter who is in a blessing to us, but also thank you for your sacrifice it's hard. We went out to uh, eat last night, and it's hard for me, Marie and Rick not to have Ivy there with them. Uh, she's a great, just like she's a joy and a light to our family, she's a joy and a light to their family, and they miss her deeply. So we th appreciate your sacrifice for the gospel, for the, the kingdom of God, for the family of God. She is an a, a incredible sister here and uh, making a great impact and leading with grace in our, our campus ministry. So we appreciate your sacrifice. Go love up on Rick and, Rick and Maria today and uh, express our thanks to them. Okay, what's, uh, you know, uh, when we say goodbye to people, we usually have some sort of expression. Open your Bibles, by the way, to Acts chapter 1, okay? What's something that you say when you say goodbye to someone? Go ahead and shout it out. What's something you say? Peace out, man. Okay? Peace out, man. Uh, one of my children was being um, 
creative and he says goodbye, I say goodbye. Uh, okay, what else do you say? See you later. Hasta la vista. Peace out, Girl Scout. Okay. Interesting. Later, dude. Can I get some of the older people to, uh, what's something that maybe you say? You're not old. Okay. I'm glad our youth are, uh, you know, is participating in the service, though. Toodles. Okay. Toodles. Anything else? I'm actually looking for something. Take care. God bless you. Okay, maybe it's just me. I just, we could go on for a while. We need to finish the sermon. I actually have something to say from the Bible today. So one of the things I guess I just used to say is, hey, take it easy. Take it easy. You ever heard that? I think it's, it's um, uh, revealing that all of us, in our lives, we would like things to be easy. Are you with me there? Do you ever just feel like in the middle of work or school, it's like, why does this have to be so hard? How about marriage or raising children? Just easy peasy, right? No, it's hard. How about growing spiritually? Is that easy or hard? This past week, I was overwhelmed with shamelessly so. I was overwhelmed with school, and I had like eight lessons it felt like I needed to prepare for, and just things were piling on, and I was getting burdened. And I remember praying to God, like, why does it have to be so hard? Can it just be easier? And I think that we feel this in our flesh at times. We grow weary. We get tired. The pressure starts to mount, and we think, can there be some ease in front of me? And you would think, like I know, let's just be a Christian. Let's be a disciple. That way, it'll just, life will just get easier. Maybe the Apostle Paul, as he's determined, like I resolved to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to follow Jesus. And things should just get easier. He grew spiritually. Many, many Gentiles were becoming Christians. And maybe the thought entered his head, you know what? If more and more Gentiles become disciples, that will show that the things can just get easier and the Jews will just all of a sudden get it. The light will go on and the Jews will be like, you know what, you've been right all along and we're just going to back off and all just uh, become disciples as well. But things don't actually get easier, they get harder. So today we're going to talk about the nature of of opposition. The nature of opposition. Opposition to faith is going to always be there. It always has been and it always will be. It's here today. It will be here tomorrow. So when we have a worldview of ease, um, we're in for a rude awakening. It doesn't get easier. It gets harder. It will get easier in heaven. Amen? But until then, life is a struggle. So we're going to, but, but the cool thing about it is God doesn't protect us and shield us from this struggle, but he does give us the answers to how to actually be full of joy and peace in the midst of the struggle. Amen? And how to overcome. Jesus said, in this life, you will have what? You will have what? 
trouble, right? Many troubles. But take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. So in Christ, we can overcome the trouble. But what helps us overcome is understanding how does trouble work? What's the nature of the opposition to our faith? And we're going to look at that today. We're going to look in the act. Actually, I was planning on preaching on Acts 22 today. But in order to really do Acts 22, we've got to kind of be reminded of Acts, the end of Acts 21. But I was just so getting into Acts 21. I'm like, I've got it. I know Eli touched on this, but I've got to, I got to preach the end of Acts 21, and then we'll get into Acts 22. But I was just so getting into Acts 21, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a super long sermon. So we're going to do the end of Acts 21 today, and we're going to do 22 next week. Amen? All right. Okay, so let's um, kind of get up to speed. We're going to start in Acts 21, verse 15. But uh, um, Paul now is, he resolved to go to Jerusalem. So now he arrives in Jerusalem. So this is the end of three missionary journeys. The Spirit has emboldened Paul. Remember the gospel is going from Jerusalem to all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now we see this ripple effect of the gospel going to the first missionary journey, second missionary journey a little further, third missionary journey a little further. And that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit says, Spirit doesn't just let them chill out after one missionary journey, right? It says, no, let's take it a little further. Let's take it a little further. Let's say, I'm 46 years old, I think, um, about there. Sometimes I feel like uh, I've done 26 years of discipleship. How about I hit the retirement button? And I'll just let these young guys take over, right? That's just not how it works. That's not how the Spirit works, okay? So he always constantly calls further in order to deepen our faith and reliance on him and not ourselves. The exact same thing that Alec is learning as well. So so we get into uh, Jerusalem. And what we see is Paul comes to Jerusalem with a gift. He wants to bless the, the, the disciples in Jerusalem. He wants to, to bless the Israelites, okay? So he comes with a good heart, wanting to um, bring a gift. And it's, it, we see this here in Acts 15. We pick it up in Acts 21, verse 15. After these days, we got ready and started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking us to Nason of Cyprus, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to lodge. After we arrived in Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After he had greeted them, he began to relate one by one the things which God has done, had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Remember, this ordinary to emboldened, the power of the Spirit at work within us and through us. So the book of Acts is the works of Jesus, the works of the Spirit through the church. Not just in the church, but through us. Through us. And this is what Paul is relating. This is what God has done. And when they heard it, they began glorifying God. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. And they are all zealous for the law. And they have been told about you that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles. Okay, let me stop right there for a second. What's going on here between Paul and James? So Paul is a missionary to the Gentiles, okay? James is now clearly the the leader or amongst the leadership of the church in Jerusalem. James was the brother of Jesus. And this is pretty cool. James did not believe in Jesus 
at all as the Messiah until the resurrection. James was a skeptic. He didn't believe. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. But when Jesus rose from the dead, in bodily form, James became a believer. Amen? And we see all kinds of skeptics today becoming believers in the faith because of the risen Jesus. The same with the Apostle Paul. He was not a believer. He was a skeptic. He was a persecutor until he came in contact with the risen Jesus. See, what changes us is not our own efforts to change. What changes us is when we come in contact with the holy and living Jesus. Amen, amen? Um, that's what changes our hearts. So Paul's saying, all these, God is moving amongst the Gentiles. And James is, saying, James is saying, God is moving amongst the Jews. Many Jews are coming to believe in Jesus. There's thousands in the church in Jerusalem. And it says that they're so zealous for the law. Wait a second. I thought they became disciples. No, Christianity was not a, we're going to oppose the Jewish faith in the Old Testament and the law and start a new thing. Christianity is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus is the fulfillment. They weren't trying to have two separate religions. They were trying to get the Jews to believe in Jesus. And many of them did. Yet, they're still zealous for the law. See, Jesus, is the, as the fulfillment of the law, just says, I didn't become to, to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. So they were still zealous for the law and their customs and traditions of the community as disciples. Does that make sense? And so Paul comes in, but there's this conflict with the Gentile. How do the Jews live in community with the Gentiles? Because they're so different cultures, races, etc. How do we build one church? Okay, so listen to the heart of James and Paul. They are committed to unity. They are figuring out how to do this. And so they say here, he says, um, James saying, hey, they've been told about you that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. What then is to be done? Now, is that, was that true? Well, we're going to get into this in a minute. But a lot of persecution opposition comes from half truths or misunderstandings or assumptions okay therefore do this do this what we're to tell you we have four men who are under a vow take them and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and all will know that there is nothing to the things which they have been told about you that you yourself also walk orderly keeping the law okay so basically saying when you're here in jerusalem don't compromise the gospel, but use your freedom in Christ to win as many as possible. You remember what Paul said? He says, to the Jews, I became a Jew to win as many as possible. He's not compromising the truth. He's saying, he's saying, don't use your freedom as a stumbling block to others believing in Jesus. Okay? So submit yourself to the customs. Submit yourself to the... To the uh, um, uh, uh, or, you know, practices so that Jews can see that you're not teaching against the law, that you yourself still submit, okay? Not, not the law in order to become a Christian or in order to, be, to receive God's grace, but the customs of the Jewish people. Does that make sense? Okay. 
Uh, but concerning the Gentiles who have believed, we wrote, having decided they should abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, from blood and from what is strangled, and from fornication. Okay? That's Acts 15. So Paul, James and Paul are figuring out, how can we do this together? How can we hold to the truths of the gospel and yet take people from different cultures and backgrounds and join as one family? Okay? Now, he, listen to what Paul uh, does. Then Paul took the men then the next day, purifying himself along with them, went into the temple, giving notice of the completion of the days of purification till the sacrifice was offered for each one of them. So Paul, more concerned about the unity of God's family, more concerned about loving the Jews and winning the Jews, uh, sacrifices, well, I don't have technically to do that. See, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial, when we start getting in the mindset, well, I don't have to do that, we've lost the heart. Does that make sense? You don't have to do squat, okay? You don't have to follow Jesus. That's not the point, what you have to do. Oh, I have to go to church. No, you don't have to go to nothing, okay? We want to go because we love God and we love the people of God. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay, so this is what Paul does. So Paul comes in with a good heart, okay? I love the Jews. Paul says in Romans 10, uh, Romans 10, that I would give up my own salvation if the Jews could become disciples. Does that make sense? He loves them. He's raised for years a contribution and offering to help them in their time of need. He's willing to sacrifice his own freedoms in order to communicate a message in, an, in a non-hindered way and uh, to remove stumbling blocks and that sort of thing. So he loves them. James loves the Gentiles. He's fired up. Many people are becoming Christians. That so far, so good. It should be easy from here. Let's read on. Right? When the seven days were almost over, the Jews from Asia, upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up all the crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law in this place, referring to the temple, and besides he even... He has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. Now, I'll break down this accusation in a minute, but let's just read on for now. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was provoked, and the people rushed together. Taking hold of Paul, they dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut." Immediately, the doors of the temple were shut. Many theologians and historians believe this was a symbolic. This was some symbolic of the Jews are shutting the door to their own openness to the gospel. While they were seeking to kill him. Okay, hold up a second. Did you catch that? The Jews were trying to kill this dude. Wait a second. Is that what the law that the Jews are protecting the honor of? Is that what the law says to do? The law says to love your neighbor. Okay? Love. Forgive. Okay? But being so zealous for the law, let's kill him. Wait a second. But the same thing is true for us. We who judge others, have we not done the same thing? 
Yes, we have, in case you're wondering what the answer to that is. Okay? You may have done the action, but you've done the heart. And God says that the heart is worse than the action at times because you cover it up. All right? Anyways, um, let's read on. A report came up to the commander of the Roman cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. At once he took along some soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. When they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So Paul's being beaten, trying to be killed. How's this going for his life of ease in following Jesus? Then the commander came up and took hold of him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He did that to protect him okay, from the Jews who lost their minds. And he began asking who he was and what he had done. But among the crowd, some were shouting one thing and some another. And when he could not find out the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. When he got to the stairs, he was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people kept following them, shouting, away with him. You're going to start to see maybe some familiarities of the persecution of Paul and the persecution of Jesus. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Then you are not, and he said, do you know Greek? Then you are not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness. Hey, where do you think he got that idea? He's like, wait a second, you know Greek. So you're not the Egyptian that brought thousands of people here to kill us all. Paul's like, huh? Where did you get this? Okay, we're going to talk about rumors later. Okay, Um, but Paul said, I'm a Jew of Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no insignificant city, and I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. When he had given them permission, Paul sat on the stairs, motioned to the people with his hand, and when there was a great hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect or Aramaic, saying... To be continued next week. Okay. So we'll get that. So what did he say? Suspenseful. Really, from the rest of the point, rest of the book chapter 21 on out, this is a this is a story. This is like an epic adventure. Uh, this is like a Marvel comic, okay, except it's real. Of what happens next. Okay? Uh, that's why it's so exciting. I remember the first time as a young disciple reading this, I was kind of studying through Acts, blah, blah, blah. But once I got to here, I just couldn't put it down. I got it. I had to find out what happens next. So I hope you feel that way too. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about opposition or, or persecution, okay? I want to back up with what, something that Jesus said. Jesus said to the apostles, you will be persecuted. He's like, well, I'm not, what, what, I don't feel persecuted by the Jews today, so what difference does this make to me, Okay. Um, you will be opposed in your faith. You will not be able to come to faith or have faith or walk by faith without intense opposition from forces of evil. So it may look like this here. It may look different for you. The principles, though, are the same. Jesus said you will be persecuted. He says they've persecuted me. They will persecute you also. I want to read here from John Stott. Uh, a comment about the similarities between the persecutions of Jesus and the persecutions of the Apostle Paul. And one of the reasons I'm saying this is because I want to prove to you that if Jesus says something, it's going to happen. 
Do you believe that? If Jesus says it, it's not only true, it's going to happen. Listen to this. Luke seems to be drawing a deliberate parallel between the sufferings of Christ and the sufferings of his apostle Paul. We saw in the last chapter the similarity between their respective journeys up to Jerusalem. Now Luke takes it further. Although, of course, Paul's sufferings were not redemptive like Christ, nevertheless, both Jesus and Paul, number one, were rejected by their own people, arrested without cause and imprisoned. You will be rejected by those closest to you if you truly decide to follow Jesus. Okay? Two, uh, were unjustly accused and willfully misrepresented by false witnesses. Number three, were slapped in the face in court. We haven't got to that to Paul yet, okay? But that's going to happen. Number four, were the hapless victims of secret Jewish plots. Number five, heard the terrifying noise of a frenzied mob screaming, away with him. Number six, were subjected to a series of five trials. Jesus by Annas, the Sanhedrin, King Herod Agrippa, or excuse me, King Herod Antipas, and twice by Pilate. Paul, by the crowd, the Sanhedrin, King Herod Agrippa II, by two procurators, Felix and Festus. Is, my point is not to be like, hmm, that's interesting. My point is, Jesus said you're going to be persecuted. He wasn't joking. Too often we take Jesus' words as, huh, whatever. No. Anything that Jesus says, anything the Word of God says, sit in reverence and fear and awe and get your life according to it. ASAP. If you take it lightly, then you are in for trouble. Amen? Okay. So let's, t let's talk about some of these accusations. It says that he preaches against the people, the law, and has defiled the temple. So the core values of the Jewish people was the people of God. We are, we are the chosen ones. We are God's favorites. Now we know now that God chose Israel. He did choose them, but in order to work through them to reach all nations. Does that make sense? wasn't because they were his favorites, because he had to choose a people because God is a God of love. So he will work through a people of love in order to bless all nations. The goal all along was all nations in the people of God, not just the Jews. But the Jews only heard half of that. We're the chosen ones. The law, okay, and the temple. Um, the half, so there's some half-truths here. Um, Paul was not preaching... Uh, against the law. He was preaching Jesus as the fulfillment of the law. Amen? Does that make sense? Um, he was preaching the people of God, not against the people of God, but the fullness of the people of God, including the Gentiles. Okay? A lot of this was just based on misunderstanding, either the Jews' misunderstanding of the law itself or misunderstanding of Paul. So there's half-truths going on. There's also some untruths. Paul did not defile the temple by bringing those dudes in. He didn't do it. Okay, so that was just flat out false. He wasn't the Egyptian that, you know, there was rumors, okay? Uh, he was going to great pains actually to honor God and honor the temple and love the Jews. So this was based on assumption. 
Okay? He was not an Egyptian that was stirring up a revolt and it was back to do it again. That was based on rumor mill. So let's talk about what are the principles we hear about, op we see about opposition. There's half-truths. There's half-truths. So what are some popular half-truths in our world today? Okay? Jesus is my Savior. True, half-truth, or false? True, for sure, but He's not just our Savior. He's also our Lord. We love a Savior Jesus. I'm not always fired up about a Lord Jesus. Because Lord means master. That means He doesn't just call me to, out of the, to save me and then I'm just happy and got my eternal fire assurance on. He calls me actually to follow Him. Okay? Lord is mentioned, Jesus says Lord, 128 times in the New Testament. Jesus is Savior 24 times. Which do you think we need to hear more of? I agree, okay? We are saved by grace. Who believes that? <laughs> if you know me at all, you know I'm fired up about being saved by grace. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Okay, because you know you too. And you know that you're glad you're saved by grace. Ephesians 2.8, right? But we also are saved, 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says that when we obey the gospel, well, uh -uh, I'm saved by grace. Wait a second, you got a problem right there. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Okay, so becoming a Christian involves obedience. Now if you think that obedience is earning your salvation, you don't understand obedience. And you don't understand how lost you really are. Does that make sense? And we're saved by grace uh, for good works, Ephesians 2.10. And we're called, Philippians 2.12, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We are saved by grace, but that's only half the story. We're saved also through obedience. We're saved through working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we're saved for good works. How about freedom in Christ? Here's a popular one, right? I'm free in Christ. True or false? True or not? That's true. Galatians 5.13, the first part, says Christ has set us free, and we love that, right? Does that mean I'm free in Christ to do whatever I want? Because I'm free. Actually, if you read the whole Bible or the whole even verse, how about we read it together? But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Who's tried that one? I have. I have, for many, many, many years in life, I was like, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm glad I don't have to give an account for what I just keep doing. Okay? Don't you, you can't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve. What's the word? Who knows the Greek word, serve? Some of you do. Who knows it? Doulos. Or doulo, doulo, doulos. What's that mean? Slave. I don't like slave. I like freedom. No. Jesus paid a price for you. You are his slave. Now, we don't like slavery because of the most more recent connotations of slavery. But to, back in the day, to be a slave of a king was the highest honor you could get. So we're called to be the slave of a king. 
Amen? Okay, let's read the whole Bible and get rid of these half-truths popular in today's religious world. Okay? Um, how about some untruths? Jesus is just one of many ways to be saved. False. False, false, and false. Jesus is the only way. Okay? And that's uncomfortable, and we don't like being narrow, but get over it. Are you with me? Okay? I don't think Jesus liked it either, but he had to tell the truth because he knew the truth. How about this untruth? I'm a good person, and good people go to heaven. That is false. Okay? Um, now, I think all of us have good in us because we're creating an image of a good God. Amen? So I think there is good in you. But if you start to rely on your own goodness as, a, as your ticket into heaven, then, whoo, you, you have forgotten that you are also evil. And who, who don't, don't call me evil. Jesus called you evil. I know you, though you who are good, though you who are evil, know how to give good gifts. He, 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 he just called you evil. Okay? Oh, offended. You're really offended by God calling, saying the truth? The only way you're offended by that is because you have so painted this idea of yourself as rose-colored in your own glasses as you look at yourself that you can't handle the fact that you are a broken mess of a sinful human being. And until you can handle that, you're not going to really need much of Jesus. All right? Okay, and lastly, here's a good one. Science opposed, is opposed to Christianity. This is a popular one. I don't believe in God. I believe in science. Okay? And we love, uh, what's it, what is the movie? Nacho Libre. Why are you always, you know, judging me? I believe in science. Okay? I'm concerned about your salvation because you have not been baptized. Okay? It's very inspiring. Science is opposed to Christianity. If you believe in Christianity, then you have to just disregard science. Okay, why is it then that over half of the scientists believe in God or a divine being? Actually, you're not even a scientist, and you believe in science so much you don't believe in God. Well, the actually real scientists would largely disagree with you. So maybe you should stop claiming your easy way out of God and actually know what you're talking about. Okay? Um, and actually, the more scientists actually discover and know, the more of them are it's becoming irrefutable in the intelligent design of a universe. It's awesome. Okay, so these are some often opposition, whether it be in our own minds or from wherever, is based on half-truths, untruths, assumptions, or rumors. Often they're rooted in instability, insecurity, and identity. Can I say something sharp right now? Are we okay with that? So I had a really good friend who came from a Catholic background. Okay? And when he became a disciple, his Catholic family was unhappy. Unhappy. And accused our church of being a fly-by-night church. Can I say something in defense? Um, I would not, as the recent Catholic ex things that have come out, hey, we're not the fly-by-night church. Anyone disagree with me? Okay. There's no one around here uh, uh, 
pedophiles, abusing children, covering it up there, and then having the church move around the pedophiles so they don't know. Okay, that's fly by night. Okay, and bring on the persecution. Okay, all right. Now we're back. Okay, how do we respond to persecution? I don't know if that was the right way or not. Okay, <laughs> but, but you know, sometimes we just got to stand up and be like, no, I'm not taking that. We're not going to take it anymore. Okay, did Pink Floyd sing that? Huh? <laughs> Twisted Sister. Okay, how do you respond to persecution? And we'll be done. Whew, we'll be done. Glad I didn't go on to chapter 22, eh? Uh, number one, we need to go to the source. Once they started asking Paul questions, they're like, oh, so you're not an Egyptian. <laughs> okay? Go to the source. Ask the question. You hear something about someone else, and it makes you feel funny? What you do is you go talk to them, and you go ask, hey, I heard that. Is that true? It's amazing what happens to rumors once we get face-to-face and ask the pointed questions. Okay? Um, how about go to the source, to the Word of God? The Jews needed to go to the source, to the word of God, to the law, to find out what was going on. Number two, do not be surprised at opposition. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 says, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. The reason opposition throws it off is because we thought there shouldn't be any. The reason struggles and hardship in life throws us off because we thought it should be easy. And so what I'm here, I'm actually telling you it's going to be hard is an incredible blessing because then you won't be surprised when it is. Does that make sense? This is what 1 Peter's, one of the main purposes of the whole book. 1 John 3.13, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Hates. Who wants to be? I know. When you wake up in the morning, I know what I want to do today. I want to be hated. None of us wake up that way, Right? But if we compromise in order to not be hated, then we're held accountable. Be prepared, number three, be prepared to answer. 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So be prepared to answer. Why do you believe? What are your accusations about science or about relativism or about Western individualism worldview? What are your answers? Be prepared to answer. That will help you as you share your faith and it will help you fortify your own faith. But do it with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Number four, be prepared to suffer. Be prepared to suffer. Acts 9, 16. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I'm going to show Paul how much he must suffer for my name. Uh, 1 Peter 4.19 says, So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Life is full of suffering. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. We have emotional suffering. We have physical suffering. We have spiritual suffering. It's hard. The hardness of it makes us go to God. Amen? All right? Um, and lastly, bless and do not curse. Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You know, I looked up some negative things said about this church. I looked up. 
and I, and I looked at the things that were said, and I thought, you know what? I could, I could talk about this in my sermon, and I could, I could break down what the actual truth is. But why am I even doing that? Why am I doing that? You know what? We don't need to return curses with curses. We need to return curses with blessings. So as we read on, Paul responds to these Jews in a very caring and kind and empathetic way. Amen? That's hard to do, isn't it? That's hard to do. But Jesus died for those who were putting him on the cross. He didn't call 10,000 angels to wipe them out like that. He says, no, I'm going to go all the way to the cross and I'm going to die for you. Amen? And we, when we bless and do not curse, give the persecutors or opposition the best chance possible to eventually see the light. Amen? Okay, so opposition is to be expected. Here we see the opposition. Jesus happened to it. He said we're going to do it. Uh, let's be prepared. Let's find out the truth and not buy into half-truths or untruths. Let's go to the source. Let's study our Bibles. Let's ask the questions of one another. Let's be prepared to answer. Let's expect it and not be surprised. And let's be prepared to be gracious and humble and respectful through the suffering. Amen? The nature of opposition. Hopefully today as you uh, see the nature of it, that when it comes, you're going to be equipped. Amen?